Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the epistle, the first Corinthians of first Corinthians. This is Paul's epistle to the Corinthian church and um, his first epistle. And he, he has answered some questions of theirs, but he's also gotten into really trying to teach them some things. And in this chapter, chapter 11, because we just finished chapter 10. Now chapter 10, you know, was trying to recommend that they avoid some of the mistakes that the Israelites had made. And uh, again, to be considerate of others when, when what you eat or drink around them. And, um, you know, and you using your freedom of choice wisely and not, you know, not accidentally offending or hurting others or causing them to be tempted to sin. So, now in... Uh, chapter 11, which we're getting ready to read, um, God's going to instruct them some on, um, well, some of this has to do with, um, they, they had certain customs about uh, a woman having her head covered or uncovered. And you have to remember, in different societies on the, on the earth, um, at different times, we've had different customs. And uh, Paul is basically going to recommend that they try to do things in an orderly fashion, but it, that it really has, in the end, it really has no strict bearing, you know, on the, on the church. Um, um, because it's, it's more of a custom thing. In some places, it was cust customary for, you know, the women to do this, dress this way or dress that way, and the men to be this way or that way. And, and you know, just like the Jews had their own little hats they wore. And, uh, um, you know, even in the Muslim world today, you see that the women are very, very covered up. Some some of them have to wear that really <clears throat> all covering of covers. Um, well, they call it the burqa or something. I, I may have that wrong. But nonetheless... Um, so some of this has to do with customs. And then he gets into the Lord's Supper, and he's going to give them a hard time about where they've got it wrong, and then he's going to instruct them on how to do it right. Note that to some degree, at this time that he's speaking to them, they were still coming together and having a full meal, not just doing just the ceremony that we do, but they were coming together and having a full meal. And he's trying to get them to act in a appropriate and orderly fashion. So, um, we've skinnied that down. We really don't do that. So, again, you have to allow a little bit for customs and, and differences of time and place and and uh, that sort of thing. But still, there's, there's a lot to learn here. Uh, I'm not putting it down in any way. It's still valuable that we know how to look at these things and how to judge these things because that's kind of what Paul has given us an example of how to judge these earthly things that are maybe customs and traditions that they don't really fit or they don't necessarily go with or against the Word of God. You could still follow that custom if your church had a custom of, uh, well not a church, let's say your society had a custom that everybody wore, well, let's just say everybody wore a turban. Okay? So everybody goes to church, they're wearing their turban, and I just, anyhow, would do, it doesn't matter. Um, and that was the that was the accepted custom in that society, and to be without your turban or hat in public was considered disgraceful or embarrassing or whatever. Well, then everyone would go, and all the guys would wear their hat, whatever that was. 
And there would be nothing wrong with that because you don't want to do things to offend other people by, by just not doing a simple matter like that that's not really important. In the church, would it really matter? No, not according to God. It doesn't matter. But in that society, because you don't want to offend everyone, you don't want to upset them, and it's really no harm, it's neither here nor there, um, you would go ahead and do that to, to, to be at peace and, and to uh, have a peaceful relationship with everyone around you as much as possible. So I've just totally... Let's just get started here. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And Paul is going to start us out with verse 1. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. I praise and appreciate you because you remember me in everything and you firmly hold to the traditions, the substance of my instructions, the substance of my instructions, just as I have passed them on to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head, authority, over, of every man, and man is the head of woman, and God is the head of Christ. Every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head dishonors his head and the one who is his head. Now, this reference here, Paul is talking about um, church meetings, with church meetings in mind, or with, a, with the congregation together. He's talking about in a public setting. They didn't really have church meetings the way we do, so I want to be careful how I say that. But um, he's talking about in service, when they come together in a service, as a congregation. Um, and he's talking about someone who's doing this with something on their head, dishonors their head. Now, now this has to do somehow with their society too, though, and I don't know enough about that because, as we know, I don't think God really cares. You know, that's whether you wear a hat or not. <laughs> but we, even we look at it as, like, you're taught in the military, you don't wear your hat indoors. That's rude. But that's just a societal thing. That's not... You know, God doesn't care if you wear your hat indoors. <laughs> it's not important. So anyway, you get the idea. So, but for them, for their customs, for their society, he's saying every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head dishonors his head, and the one who is his head, meaning he dishonors Jesus and God. And every woman who prays or prophesies when she has her head uncovered disgraces her head, for she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved in disgrace. Back then, they, they looked at things differently too. A man would keep his hair short so that he, his head was not covered. And a woman would keep her hair long. Now again, this may vary from society to society, but let's just go through this as an exercise. Um, the woman would have her hair long or be covered by her hair. And to shave her head or to cut it really short was a shameful thing. It was a disgrace for her head to be shaved or to be, that was done as a punishment. If you remember, even um, Samson, who he grew his hair long because that's what he was commanded to do. But his hair being cut was a disgrace. It was a shame. And it took his strength away. Um, I know that's a guy, but still you get the idea. Anyway, if a woman does not cover her head, 
she should have her hair cut off. And if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her cut off or her head shaved, she should cover her head. So, you know, back then this would have been uh, disgraceful and it would have been embarrassing. So he's he's just saying um, he's just saying that a woman should have her head covered, but that's meant by her hair. Okay, it's not really intended to be. She has to have a hat or something on. Um, we'll get into this as we go down because he he mentions this. Um, the thing about um, having her head uncovered, um, it's possibly a mark of an adulteress or a prostitute. Um, and it could be a sign of disgrace for any number of different reasons. Um, so, uh, uh, like in one case, uh, an example of uh, head shaving was recommended for a woman whose son was cowardly or otherwise worthless. So it could be some sign of disgrace, whatever whatever that might be. That's <clears throat> kind of like a guy would rent his clothes, you know, because he would be so upset and disgraced. Um, or rent his clothes, I mean. Anyway, a man ought not have his head covered during worship since he is the image and reflected glory of God, but the woman is the expression of man's glory. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed man was not created for the sake of woman, but woman for the sake of man. You're going to get through some cyclical logic here that's going to be a little confusing. Let's just, let's just go with it for now, and we'll talk about it. Therefore the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head, for the sake of the angels, so as not to offend them. Nevertheless, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also man is born through the woman. And all things, whether male or female, originate from God as their creator. Judge for yourselves. Okay. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to offer prayer to God publicly with her head uncovered? Does not common sense itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her ornament and glory. For her long hair is given to her as a covering. Now if anyone is inclined to be contentious about this, we have no other practice nor do the, in worship than this, nor do the churches of God in general. So in other words, we have our natural, we have our natural state. The woman has a natural covering; it's her hair. And the suggestion, though I think this also relates to their society and the way they are, is that you know the man would continue to keep his hair shorter, the woman would have her hair longer, and thus her head would be covered and his head would be uncovered. Is this a huge, tremendous deal? I don't think so. I think this is very societal. I think this has to do with the society they're living in and the different types of people they have. And, you know, he says, if anyone's inclined to be contentious about this, we have no other practice nor do the churches of God. So, in other words, come as you are. You know, <laughs> I mean... Because he's, he's speaking of this to them for it's something in their society and it's something that 
you know, he's trying to help them with. It really, uh, it's really not meant to be something to condemn people with or control people with or anything like that. Um, whether there had been a question about this, or let's see, did he say, he did not say there was a question about this. So, but he wanted to explain to them the way, how they should order that and how that, it is, there is a difference between men and women. And, and even though technically man was first and woman came from the man, now we're in a cycle where you can't have one without the other. The man comes from the woman and the woman still comes from the man, no matter how you look at it. So, you know. There's really nothing, there's really nothing, it just really shouldn't be a big deal. But, uh, and her hair is her own natural covering, so she shouldn't need to do anything super special. And a guy should not, um, at least in their society, the way they're saying this, and I, I'm, I'm going to assume pretty normally, like even in our society, you, you shouldn't wear a hat in church in general, and you shouldn't wear a hat inside in general and you shouldn't wear a hat when you're preaching or leading a prayer at church you know um, you should take that off as a sign of respect and that's the way we've looked at it forever so that societal thing has been passed down I guess for a long time uh, okay anyway because I consider that to be more of a societal thing and not as bigger deal as you might imagine I don't think God is that worried about that physical thing um, so we're going to move on to verse 17 because here he's going to get real and it's going to be about uh, something we consider more important I believe but in giving this next instruction I do not praise you because when you meet together it is not for the better but for the worse for in the first place when you meet together in church I hear that there are divisions among you and in part I believe it for doubtless there have to be factions among you so that those who are of approved character may be clearly recognized among you. So there were divisions among them, you know, factions like he spoke about earlier in this letter. <laughs> and he doesn't want there to be factions, so he's definitely giving him a hard time about that. So when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, when, the, when Christ instituted the Lord's Supper, it was the Passover meal. And there were special rituals, and there were explanations. Um, anyway, there's a special special ritual to it. And then he, he explained um, what he was, you know, the Lord's Supper as we see it and know it today. Now, the description here indicates that they were still having a full meal, you know. That included special rites with the bread and the wine, which we don't do all that like they did back then, okay? But they were having a full meal, kind of like the Passover meal. How similar, I don't know. Um, but you're going to hear here how they, how they did. He says, so when you meet together, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For when you eat, each one hurries to get his own supper first, not waiting for others or the poor. So one goes hungry while another gets drunk. What, do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? 
Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those impoverished believers who have nothing? What will I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Is this? In this I will not praise you. So here they are. They're, they're actually doing the whole meal. But here they have some of them coming in and they're rushing to get their food first. And maybe they're drinking too much wine and getting drunk. And, and, and maybe they're leaving the poor off to the side who these people, maybe this would be a big meal to them. This would be a big deal. They, you know, they really need to be able to eat, you know, depending on how poor they are. So, um, you know, they're not honoring each other. They're not loving one another. They're, they're being selfish. And that's what he's getting at. So, he's going to continue on here in verse 23. For I received from the Lord himself that instruction which I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, thanks he broke it and said, This, rep this is represents my body which is offered as a sacrifice for you. Do this in affectionate remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in affectionate remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are symbolically proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of him will be, guilt, will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. But a person must prayerfully examine himself in his relationship to Christ and only when he has done so should he eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without solemn reverence and heartfelt gratitude for the sacrifice of Christ, eats and drinks a judgment on himself. And if he does not recognize the body of Christ, that careless and unworthy participation is the reason why many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep in death. But if we evaluated and judged ourselves honestly, recognizing our shortcomings and correcting our behavior, we would not be judged. But when we fall short and are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined by undergoing his correction, so that we will not be condemned to eternal punishment along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat the Lord's Supper, wait for one another and see to it that no one is left out. If anyone is too hungry to wait, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment on yourselves about the remaining matters of which I was informed. I will take care of them when I come. We don't know what those matters were, I guess, right now, unless he goes into them in, in the next chapter. That is the end of chapter 11. So he's Paul is really stressing the importance of the Lord's Supper and of the, the ritual part where we are taking the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, and we are to take that reverently and thoughtfully and prayerfully. And that is something that I feel we really do. We do that really well. Once a week we meet and we, we take those few solemn moments and we really do that. And I think that's really good. That's great. And it really helps me, I think. Um, 
they were doing differently in that they were having an entire meal and you know it was easy for them to get out of sync with what Jesus and God had really planned and wanted um, we don't since we don't do the whole meal anymore we don't really have that issue so while this still applies I'm not saying it doesn't apply I'm saying we don't really have this issue in that we don't have the big meal we don't have people come in for like the buffet meal I'm kind of imagining in my head and that's probably not exactly right but you get the idea we don't have everybody coming in for the meal and doing all that so it's really not a problem for us unless unless you're partaking and not taking those moments to evaluate and and prayerfully look at yourself which we should all do so and we all eat at home as it is I think really we probably take our practice from what Paul says here because we're like well we can eat at home we don't need to eat there at church we don't need to do that um, used to when they uh, did their church services back in these days in Paul's day a lot of times they were meeting in someone's house and they could have a meal because they had everything there um, our church like right now our church doesn't have that you wouldn't be able to easily do that so so it varies um, anyway there's nothing wrong if you wanted to have a meal and then do the Lord's Supper but um I think that would be confusing to us nowadays because we just don't do that and we're not familiar with the Passover meal it's uh it's a certain ritual in and of itself and it has certain um, foods and, and spices that are representative of things that are very meaningful to the Jews and they, they know what those are and I don't even remember what those are and I have read about it so sorry I just don't remember <laughs> because it's hard to retain something that you never practice and you don't actually use and it's not as meaningful for me though I, I did understand it at the time so okay so that is uh, 1 Corinthians 11 um, his main thing is uh, the main theme here is um, to have some order in the church as far as covering or not covering your head and it sounds like your hair ends up being the natural cover or uncovering depending on how your hair is done and there's really nothing worth being contentious about there you certainly do not have to cover your head if you don't want to it's it's not not a big deal because uh, you do have hair and then you then you go into all these other little things of like well what if someone's sick and they've lost their hair or whatever that's fine they're fine I would not embarrass them or say that this applies to them we're talking about old customs and old societies where they had different customs and different traditions uh, that really didn't matter or mean anything as far as within the church itself so anyway um, but the important thing to take out of this is the Lord's Supper that we should take that in a solemn and reverent way and that we should think about that and apply how we apply that to ourselves as far as recognizing that we have fallen short and appreciating Jesus sacrifice for us I think that's probably the most important thing in this chapter maybe one of the most important things in the whole Bible <laughs> because a lot of us refer to uh, Paul's uh, take on the Lord's Supper here
And you can see how that has shaped and influenced the way we do the Lord's Supper nowadays. So, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. Stay safe. Stay very safe. Watch out for yourself and others. And remember, God loves you.